Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Zach Howes. Wait, what the fu- where the fuck is Beam, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Zach Howes is here with us. He is taking over temporarily as the co-host of this podcast. Uh, Beam is taking a month off. He is having a kid. It has not arrived yet, but it is supposed to arrive very soon, and he's going to take a month off and just, you know, be with his with his new child. Which is very exciting. We don't know the gender yet. He's uh, waiting to reveal it to us all. Very exciting stuff. Wow, I didn't. I didn't know we didn't know the gender yet. By the way, you like my uh, fake radio voice? I felt appropriate for our introduction. I love your fake radio voice. And this week, what we are going to do now that we got that out of the way, we are going to be talking about the '90s sports movie Hall of Fame. We have done this once before. We did it with Boston movies. And we decided what are the five best Boston movies. This time we are doing it with sports movies. There is such a wide array of sports movies that we felt like we needed to limit it to a particular decade. Seeing as we all grew up in the 90s, we chose the 90s for this first go around. And we're going to be building the Hall of Fame. We'll explain a little bit more about the roles after. But to join us in that discussion is John Stegman from the APB Film Collective. He is a producer. He is in the production design department, and he is a co-founder of that film collective. Stegs, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing well. I'm really, really excited to have you on this because, A, you came up with the idea, really, and... B, you are a fellow member of Bill's Mafia, and we have a Washington oh, football team Come guy on. on this podcast. Oh, dude, we lit you up, baby. What a low blow. Oh, my God. Start with your new co-host <laughs> like that. Well, I usually like to try to be on the up and up, but it was 17 years of dog shit on our end, so we, we, we don't take the high road too often anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know... Thirty-three years of my life as a, as a fan of this bullshit franchise, and now now this my debut as the co-host of the podcast. And this is what I have to deal with. Yeah, they suck, and they're gonna suck forever. There's nothing I can do about it. Hey, it, uh, Gibson had a nice run there. I guess you can you can rest on those laurels. And, and Heineke actually was really accurate when he put it in the chest of your defenders. So that was great. Very, you know, and like the three or four picks we had, it was incredibly <laughs> accurate. Yeah. And to go along with that theme as well as the sports theme, you know, we always have a beer on these episodes. And this week I'm going to be drinking Pills Mafia from oh. Ten Man Brewing Company out of Buffalo. Wow. It wow. both fits the sports theme and it fits the continuing theme on this podcast of us shitting on Zach for being a Washington football team fan. Yeah, so I thought about this and I was going to have like a Bud Light just because it's the perfect sports beer. But uh, I drank them all over the weekend, so... Instead, I have leftover lemon shandies from Goose Island Beer Company, which are actually pretty good, but not at all what I want. That's the beer of a Washington football fan right there, if I've ever heard it. (laughs) Accurate. Yeah. All right. So let's get this episode started. So we're going to get into this discussion about the 90s sports movie Hall of Fame and where I want to start. And I'll start with you, Steg, since this was your idea. When you're thinking about a sports movie, what are the key elements or aspects that kind of 
make a sports movie so great and what do you love about them so much as well? Mm, yeah, it's tough. I mean, like as far as just like criteria for me, um, sports has to be like integral to the story. Like the story has to be around sports, not just like peripheral sports, you know, like, I mean, there's trying to think what's that like, there's plenty of like summer league baseball, like rom-coms with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. That like I wouldn't really consider sports movies. Summer um, catch. Great movie. There we go. There we go. I think Keanu had one of those too. Uh, that was around that same kind of time. Hardball. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, so for me, it's got to be integral to the story. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, they all, it's almost like. I mean, they're not all feel good, but it all is kind of just like they're usually lighter. It's usually like has a comedic trope or at least like, I don't know, it's just like something about the lightness of the storylines. It's just kind of like a nice little escape into something that's like not fantastical, but it's just like fun to watch because it's real. But at the same time, it's basically just like a well-made Hallmark movie most of the time. So, yeah, I can't disagree with that. And, you know, Stegs, we we were talking when you kind of came up with this idea and I knew you worked in production design. So you know, when I was, when I heard that, I was like, oh, he's going to start talking to me about like Wong Kar Wai and all these like beautiful, you know, period pieces with all this great production design of times and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, as I got to know you, it was like sports movies and blockbusters. That is my, my thing. So, you know, it's kind of an odd pairing. (laughs) What's, what's that about? Talk to us about it. Yeah, I mean, they kind of developed separately, I guess, is what it is. It's just like a matter of what can I do work wise that I, you know, and I, you know, I mean, I I spend so much time in that world of like, of like, hey, let's make another um, deep think piece about the cerebral nature of the world. And like, yeah, those are fine. Those are fun. But like, what do I enjoy watching? Like when when I'm coming down, like, you know, I kind of like oftentimes I migrate towards those blockbusters towards, you know, towards those sports movies. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I obviously love all the same stuff as everyone else too. I, like that are pre- not appreciated anyways, but my, my default is like, let's grab a, let's grab a bag of chips, watch the bills and then, then roll into some, uh, you know, planes, trains and automobiles for the 50th time. I mean, I can't disagree. I love a good prestige film, but like, there's only so many of them that you can watch. Cause like, they're sometimes a drag and like they have a lot of value of course but like Mm. how many can you watch in a week one maybe two like yeah yeah and i in fact actually i would equate it to this i'd equate it to this is that like everyone loves the premier restaurant in the area it's the place you got to go if people are coming into town you're like oh we got to go to mumafuku but but like when I'm just going to go out to, to eat myself, I'm going to Ray's Diner down the street and I'm going to get myself a, a turkey club, you know, and I'm going to love it and I'm gonna have a great time. And like the diner stools are from 1943 and they got that nice like grease cracks in them and shit like that. And it's just a good time. So like that's that's where that's where I'm at. Ah. Give me some Ray's Diner. Zach, you're a former athlete, as am I. We used to play soccer together back in the day. What do you love about sports movies and what do you look for in kind of the cream of the crop? So, yeah, I, I like this question because uh, this is what I was going to chime in with about the genre in general is there are so many sub-genres within the sports genre. That's what makes them so appealing or makes this overall uh, category so appealing because you can have your sports comedy, which I'm going to talk a lot of, about a lot of those. You, you have your sports drama, obviously. I guess... You don't necessarily have sports action, but in a sense, some of the football movies are a little bit, a little more action-packed. 
and then breaking off from there, you can have your sports movie that focuses primarily on the sport and what's going on on the field and the drama related to what's going on on the field. Or you can have your sports movie where the sport itself is tangential to the drama of whatever is going on in the movie. And, and again, I know we have a couple that we're going to talk about, which uh, tackle both of those, uh, those types of movies. So I, I like that they can be so diverse. And then obviously, I played sports my whole life. I'm always going to be a sucker for the drama of sport. So if you can show me uh, Matt Saracen scrambling for his life on 4th and 28 and somehow throwing like uh, flea flick or throwing, throwing a 20-yard bomb that they lateral off for a touchdown to win the game, of course I'm going to eat that up. So yeah, the, you know, sport itself lends itself to great drama, and then you can you can branch off from there in so many different directions. Uh, there are just a lot of phenomenal movies that do that. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with everything that you guys said. The only thing that I want to kind of add on is the one thing that's actually oddly very important to me is the actual sports in the movie. Yeah, I cannot stand it when the sports are bad. If, if they're passable, like, I can deal, but when they're very bad, it I, I get distracted from whatever's happening because I'm like, that person is not athletic. It does not look good. I don't understand what we're doing here. And, like, the quintessential example that I always point to is Teen Wolf. The basketball in that movie is the worst basketball I've ever seen played ever. You couldn't get something better. <laughs> I, I just don't understand. So the sports is actually very important to me. Corey, I also think that stems from the fact that you and I were soccer players and growing up, we never had a good soccer movie because every every actor who tried to play soccer looked like an asshole on the field. So like I, that's always been very important to me, too, especially because I honestly can't think of a soccer movie, at least not an American one, where the sport is played well. Ladybugs. No one, no one knew how to play. <laughs> What's that? said ladybugs. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But yeah, that's a that's a critical point. Getting actors who know how to do it. And I know that's a thing with within Hollywood where they struggle to mask an unathletic actor's inability to throw a baseball, for instance, like in um, Dazed and Confused, that kid couldn't pitch for shit. And they had to. Yeah, they had to show him from behind only. So stuff like yeah, stuff like that. That's a very good point. I think that's also evident in pretty much all the really good ones is they find a way to make something really interesting something really dynamic as far and, and also they usually sneak in some pros in in a lot of those i was actually just watching uh point break which is obviously not a uh you know not a sports movie by any means but like all the surfing in that like there's a reason they shot it like all in silhouette and it's mm -hmm. like they're and also like usually three out of the four like main bank robbers are also like pro surfers in that movie and they're it's that oh, fucking wow. movie's fantastic I actually considered it as a sports movie because the the surfing is so integral and surfing is a sport. I considered it for a mm. moment, but then I was like, eh, I don't know. That, it's that's too much. Stretching it. It's good enough because bank bank robbing is like ultimately what the main aspect. It's of a heist it, movie, right? Yeah, God, that is a good movie though. Love it's movie. amazing. <laughs> All right, so let's get into building the Hall of Fame. Here are the general kind of rules. We have twenty two films in contention. Some of them are not really in contention, so we're just going to kind of briefly go through them. We have 10 spots in the Hall of Fame. So of the 22, we are trying to narrow it down to 10 that get a place in the Hall of Fame. I would say we don't need to use 10, but given the 
given the number of films that we really respond to and love in this, I do think we're going to need all 10. And I think there's going to be a couple cut tough cuts um, for I us. I think the inaugural class should be all 10. It's only fair to filmmakers. <laughs> What's going to happen is I'm going to introduce the films in chronological order. Then one of us, either Steg, Zach, or myself, will kind of take the lead on a discussion and we will go from there. And the one thing that I kind of want to add, and Zach, you, you spoke to this, is I do want our Sports Hall of Fame, the 10 movies we ultimately choose for that, to have a diverse sense about them, both in terms of their genre. You know, I want comedies to rep- be represented. I want family films to be represented. I want the dramas to be represented. And I want to try and get a diverse sport sense within there so it's not just all baseball movies there's a lot of great baseball movies out there but you know can we have football and tennis and golf and soccer and blah 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 like can we have the most diverse set of sports movies in this hall of fame so that's something that i want us to kind of keep in mind as we build this yes awesome so let's get this started uh the first film that we have to discuss is 1990s days of thunder i love tom cruise i love tony scott i hate this movie uh give me top gun all day really (laughs) i have nothing else to add (laughs) i don't remember this i don't remember it that well but i do remember the last time i watched it a couple years ago thinking like this is just dumber top gun with cars but there are some great lines in it. I got. I'm gonna have to look up some quotes because I did not expect you to dislike it. Uh, it's like a precursor. It's a precursor to um, uh, Talladega Talladega Nights, and it, it takes itself very seriously. I don't know. It's not. Yeah, it's not Tom Cruise's best, but I still enjoyed it. I also hate Talladega Nights. To be clear. Oh my God! You shut your mouth. Yeah, no, I mean, this one's tough for me because, like, I basically, I, I mean, I feel like we're starting off on maybe my worst movie as far as knowledge goes, but, like, I only have just, like, fever dreams of watching, like, a couple snippets of this movie when WB was still WB and not CW, like, on the movie of the week. I kind of, you know, I don't recall much. The only thing I'll say, which is not really worth anything, is that I always find, you know, Tom Cruise to be one of the most watchable people out there so i'm sure it's watchable tony scott's always entertaining but like it's also a nascar movie from an era when nascar like wasn't even really you know that much of a thing at the time um is it, it was, the movie that gave us rubbin is racing is it i don't I, like, that means nothing to me either like like so that just the fact that the line means nothing to me either is like that's the best part it means nothing to you but you know what it, but you know how to use it no i don't even know it like if i like if i saw it on someone's wall in their house i would just think it was like a, one of those weird sayings they're like all right cool yeah, I mean, I think this is one that we definitely can skip over, but I, I think you're being a little harsh to it, Corey, because it is it is a fun action movie. And I don't know, I enjoy just the, I, I enjoy watching a sport I don't really know a whole lot about. I will say it is nice to have a movie about a sport that's weird. I like that. It's not a ton of them. And also, like, just to mention is, like, we did narrow some of these down ahead of time. So the fact that it made it in 22 is not knocking it. It's still in the list. It's just, it doesn't belong in the top 10. I would have left it out, but you guys chose it. (laughs) I chose it just because, I don't even know why, just because it it was recognizable. (laughs) All right, so this is not good again. Let's just move on. Um, We're going to 1992 now. The next film is White Men Can't Jump. This is one that I wanted to make the case for so i have a couple things the first thing that i absolutely love about this movie is that the characters are so memorable 
You have Billy Hoyle, this kind of fuck up who's talented and smart, but always keeps getting in his own way. You have Sidney Dean, this streetwise hustler who's willing to use anybody because all he's really concerned about is family. And then you have Gloria, played by Rosie Perez, who is so smart, but is kind of trapped in this relationship. She does have love for Billy, but she's trapped in this relationship with a guy who can't get out of his own way. And by the end of the film, they all go through kind of through this transformation. Billy and Gloria realize they're not supposed to be together. Sydney and Billy become friends finally, despite their differences. And so because of the characters and because of the story being so memorable, I think this is way more than just a sports movie. And that is the first thing that I love about this one so much. I do like that. This is, I think this is of all of the ones we're going to talk about probably the least sports centric sports movie. And I mean that in a good way in this one, in this case, like it's a, it's an excellent sports centered, but like just a good movie. It's just a good movie. It's a classic. I think this 100% will make it to the top 10, probably top five realistically. Yeah, on on the surface, I'm not going to argue. I, I think it probably is. Um, can't, I just can't think of ten, nine or ten other better ones. Looking at pictures from the cap, screen captures of this movie, I think we should, with each movie going forward, talk about how good or bad the outfits are mm. related to the sport and the movie. Because in this, this is movie, top five, one hundred percent top five. Um, yeah, incredible outfits. And, it's I mean, so good. Inspired two decades worth of Halloween costumes. The hats, <laughs> just the hats. Just the hats. The hats that they play basketball yeah. in. Like, no yeah. one's ever played basketball in Wesley hats. Snipes' hat is outrageous, and it's so good. It's so, so good. The thing is, like, I don't even really – this is not even, like, a personal favorite movie. So, like, when I'm saying it's, like, a – I just – it you, you just know it's, like, a top. It's a top movie. You got to put it in there. I, I don't own this movie. I don't really watch this movie that often. But it's just, you know, you just it's one of those movies you know is a classic. Fun fact, I once bought a hat like the one that Wesley wears because he looks so cool in it. Needless to say, it did not last very long in my wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to work for you that well. Not with a head this big. No, and I, you know, I do want to kind of talk about the sports in it because I actually do think the basketball scenes in this are quite good. Woody Harrelson is a very good basketball player, and everyone that they play against in the tournaments and kind of in their hustling journey are also very good. So a lot of the sports scenes are very convincing. And Wesley Snipes isn't the best, but they do a good job of kind of quick cutting around him and doing slow-mo so it doesn't look that bad. So I actually quite like the kind of sports things in this movie. I don't think they take away from it, even though it isn't like that sports-centric. I do think the sports are quite good when they do get to those scenes. When I saw this movie on our list, I did uh, just read a couple. I mean, I'm stealing from Bill Simmons' half-assed internet research. Uh, apparently... Woody Harrelson is like well known throughout clicks in Hollywood for being a good basketball player. So it makes sense that he was good. And then Wesley, I guess they really did have to hide some stuff with Wesley because he just couldn't get dribbling down. Right. There's a couple scenes where it's quite obvious. Like he is struggling with dribbling. Yeah. And they do a lot of slow-mo to kind of get around it. So it doesn't look that awkward. So I don't think it's bad, but yeah, Wesley's not, not great at basketball. <laughs> That's all right. I'm willing to overlook it. And then the last thing I just want to bring up, and this is sports related because trash talking is a huge part of sports and the trash talking in this movie is absolutely epic. There's this one line 
Woody Harrelson, they're playing in this tournament for $5,000. He's doing this whole thing where he's like, I'm in the zone, man. I'm in the zone. And he's doing this whole trash talking thing. And the one thing he says is, what? You still throwing up bricks? What is this, a Mason's convention? I got an idea. Let's just stop right now and gather up all these bricks and let's build a shelter for the homeless so maybe your mother will have a place to live. Just (laughs) great, great (laughs) trash talk stuff. Absolutely. And Wesley Snipe is... We don't talk about him as enough anymore as as a culture because everybody thinks of Samuel L. Jackson first. But like Wesley Snipes is a Hall of Fame shit talker. <laughs> he's got a really great one too, where he talks to his boy and he's like, Oh man, shut your anorexic malnutrition tape warp having overdose on Dick Gregory, Bahamian drinking ass up, leave me alone. Like he just rattles it off in like twenty words just all together. Do you know if this was all scripted or if it was uh, if they improved a lot of that? I do not know. I th- I got to think it was kind of a mixture because mm. some of it is just like like that. Just 20 words right in a row. Yeah, I, I just don't know how you could come up with that off the top of your head. So I, I, I got to say it was a mix, but I, I'm not sure. Do we want to give this a maybe yes or no for now? I'll give us a yes. Yeah, it's 100 percent. Yes. All all right. I, I agree. The next one, we are still in 1992. Zach, this is your movie. It is The Mighty Ducks. Wow. I, I hadn't looked at that. 92, man. We are old. Um, <laughs> real. You'll notice with the ones that I talk about, I, I really focused on nostalgia, things that impacted me during childhood, um, the movies that the movies that we all watched growing up are the ones that I tend uh, tended to gravitate towards. So, I mean, look, Mighty Ducks, Mighty Ducks, what could I say about it that most people don't already know? It's what got me into hockey as a kid. It's what made me want all of us want to play in the 90s. It was a Disney team, a Disney product that somehow worked in the sports arena to the point where Disney was able to found its own NHL team off of it, largely because of the success of these movies. Just all the branding that came from this movie is incredible. And this is me making the case for it being in the Hall of Fame. Digging into the movie, I think the first time I ever saw Emilio Estevez, it must be. And he looks looks about about as 90s dad or as 90s cool older guy as you can possibly be with his hair and his his trench coat as the lawyer. So the acting in it is, you know, it's a kid's movie. So it's fine. It's good. Um, It's not going to compare to any given Sunday or remember the Titans or something like that. But at the same time, it's a sports movie that every single kid from the nineties can quote and relate to. I mean, we all know quack, 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 quack. Flying V. Exactly. (laughs) How many of us did the flying V on a soccer field or on a basketball court places where it made absolutely no sense. I mean, it didn't even make sense on the, (laughs) it makes sense on the ice ice. either. man. (laughs) I always find Mighty Ducks interesting. I mean, it's a classic. The one thing about Mighty Ducks that's interesting is that like borderline lives on more in a series of like lines and and like things like branding things like that more so than as an actual movie. It's a classic, but it's almost like Im- embedded itself in like pop culture. And also, I mean, just jersey wise, two of the best hockey jerseys, sports jerseys ever, in my opinion, both both the green one and the teal one. That's classic. I mean, also just side note, like 90s hockey jerseys may have been the best sports jerseys of all time. The uh, Phoenix Coyotes, um, 
oh my god the 90s that that 90s jersey is like oh it's so good um but yeah side note Corey, you and i were talking we were all talking briefly about how this one is is a significantly higher quality movie than mighty ducks 2 and then again mighty ducks 3 yeah there's there's definitely probably better writing and uh just a more coherent plot than than mighty ducks 2 there's an actual plot is the difference yeah The idea that this guy has to coach has to coach these kids who are poor kids, and obviously he learns a lesson about himself, which is integral to every sports movie, uh, is one that works every single time. If I'm going to nitpick, uh, there's no fucking way they give a drunk alcoholic custody over these children every single day to coach them during hockey. Also, side note, he just randomly goes from not playing hockey since he was like 14 to like, I'm going to join the minor leagues at 29 despite having a law degree. Um, There's a lot Uh, lot of nitpicks to go on. But either way, the aesthetic of 90s Minnesota is also fantastic. Uh, You know, every 90s Minnesota movie is good. Grumpy old men, grumpier old men, both excellent. Uh, I love when they go to the professional game and you get Mike Madonna in his heyday coming into the movie i love when they do the real player cameos in these things so that that was important the only nitpick that i have is the gordon bombay is (laughs) secretly a racist thing what he calls the line that features terry and jesse hall the two black characters in this movie who play on the wing and guy germain who plays center a white gentleman he calls that the oreo line uh (laughs) bro (laughs) i know it was 92 but come on come on Bombay. 90s, 90s are a different time, man. Do we have a favorite Mighty Ducks player? Because I know I do. Ooh. Oh, yes. But, but I cheat. Mine are the Bash Brothers. That that's that, that counts as one. That's that, yeah, Bash Brothers, I mean, I think are the our fan favorite. Um, I mean, Charlie Conway is always a classic. Um, I mean I personally like if I was and I actually have an actual story about this, is like if I was going to buy a jersey it's Gordon Bombay, even though he didn't play on the team. And I have bought that jersey, um, and it showed up to me. It was one of those it's those decisions where you're like, should I buy it, should I not? And then I have a couple of beers, like, well, I got to buy a Gordon Bombay jersey. And then it shows up, and the name placard and the numbers are both sewn on upside down, despite being a very high-quality jersey. So I, uh, I did return it, but I think if I had to do it again, it would still be a Gordon Bombay jersey. So not a player, but but still my favorite. I think that's probably the right choice. My favorite is also a cheat and it's under the radar, but I love Guy Germain and Connie Moreau. They are Connie. my favorite. Connie. Love them. And I think they're also like sneakily the best hockey players. I know Adam Banks gets all the shine, but if you watch the movies, I read this thing once where like Guy Germain is involved in 95% of the goals that they score over the course of the three movies. Guy Germain, really good hockey player. <laughs> Guy, also, Guy Germain, that's a legit hockey name. That might be the only yeah. legit hockey name of all of them. That's legit. That is some Quebec shit right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if I if I had to put it this way, if I had to draft that team strictly on name for a for a like triple A franchise, Guy Germain is the first draft <laughs> for sure. All right. So do we want to go yes, no, or maybe here? I'm leaning maybe because there's a lot of really good movies to go through. And I do have a family favorite that I like better than the Mighty Ducks, um, but I'm definitely willing to consider it. I think it's cultural cachet can get it in on just that alone like despite the movie i agree i think i i definitely can't say yes but i think it's uh i think the the importance of it culturally i think it is just like just it's it's popularity has to warrant a maybe at this point to be only two three movies in 
Yeah, I, I'll, I will even say maybe at this point, but I will argue hard for it at the end. <laughs> Please do. Um, all right, so we are still in 1992. A lot of really good sports movies in 1992. And this is the last one of 92. It is A League of Their Own with Tom mm. Hanks, Gina Davis, mm. Lori Petty, Madonna, Rosie hey, O'Donnell, hey, et cetera, I et cetera, et cetera. I hate Lori Petty in this movie. She bothers me so much, but it's an excellent movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really great movie. I mean, the first thing is this is the only movie on our list that features at least prominently female athletes, which is important. That shouldn't garner it Hall of Fame contention on its own, but, you know, it should be said. I think this is probably the best female-centered athletics movie ever made, and I think it's gender regardless. I think it's a top four baseball movie of all time. I think it's absolutely amazing, and... What you have at the center of this movie is a story that is so relatable. You have a very talented older sister in Dottie, and you have a younger sister who is following in her footsteps and feels like she is constantly being overshadowed in Kit, and that is the central thing in this movie. And, you know, you go through this entire season and all the ups and downs, and then you get to the final game and they're facing off against one another and Kit comes barreling through the plate at 150 miles an hour and trucks Dottie. And I think this is an argument we need to have, but Dottie drops the ball on purpose so that Kit will win the world series because she realizes in that moment that her sister's happiness is far more important than any one game that she could possibly win. And so that is just an outstanding movie. Like when you describe it, that is what you want from a movie. It gives you all the feels. It's got good sports action. It's got a lot of iconic scenes. So I think this has to be in personally, um, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think about this movie. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite, not not just sports movies, movies in general. It's an excellent movie. It is, I don't like to use the word perfect, but it's almost perfect. It has, the story is fantastic. I mean, Tom Hanks with an epic, you know, epic, epic role. You have classic lines like you look like a penis with a little hat on that's all time um i mean it's it's excellent it looks amazing you got some amazing side uh and some side actors like this john lovitz is in there david Stratern's in there and i love david Strader. he's he's fantastic and pretty much everything he's in i'm always a big fan of him they're just so good it's an excellent it's an excellent movie all around it is one of the all-time if it's on tv i watch the whole movie this is probably right next to a few good men for me on that level um also i will always do yeah I, I will always watch it. It is just, um, it's it's excellent. I, it's a hundred percent shoe in top five. Holy crap! Well, I won't be quite as art, quite as articulate about this one as you guys. I actually never saw this movie until the until we were quarantined last year. I finally watched it. What an excellent quarantine movie, man! I'm I'm borderline jealous that you had that movie to watch fresh during quarantine. So, so I'll mostly agree with what you guys said. Um, I just haven't, you know, seen it 10 times. So I don't know it as well as you, you guys do. I'll, I gotta say, first time I watched it, it was awesome. I was not expecting that performance from Tom Hanks. It was very anti Tom Hanks. Usually he's the, you know, lovable, uh, perfect person or perfect man in whatever movie he's in. Madonna is really good in it. And I think this I, is the one movie where Madonna's like really good. You know what's funny with that with that in mind, uh, Zach, is that like I always, you know, I feel like the Madonna having being like 
a bad actress was always like a trope of just things people would say. It's like an easy line to say. This is the only movie I've ever seen her in. And I was always like, I don't think she's that bad because I agree with you. I think she's like, it's she's pretty solid. Yeah, I thought I thought she was really good. And just, yeah, just the, what was it? The 1940s, 1940s and then 50s. Like that aesthetic, everything looks great in the movie. Um, it just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't live through it, but it takes me back to uh, something nostalgic that I never experienced. There's, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe it's just because we all had grandparents are in that era or something like that. But like, sure. like that 50s era is like a weird nostalgia for an era I never lived in. I think maybe it's because it's still like a trope that's used in like diners and things like that. So maybe we just have exposure to it more so than other eras. But I agree with you. It is a very like oddly nostalgic movie in that way for an era that I never experienced. No, and it's funny because when I think about the things I know about the 50s, like McCarthyism and Eisenhower, like that seems miserable. But every time I see it in a movie like Back to the Future or if I see it in this, like I think I would love the 50s. So it's a really weird combination. I mean, I get, yeah, I know. Maybe it's aesthetically just one of the best eras. Like, just it, it has amazing design. Everything looked good. I mean, a freaking paper towel dispensers back then looked awesome. It, I mean, if we're talking about that era in general, it makes sense, right? Like, World War II just ended. Everybody's in a great mood because we're not, you know, the world isn't killing each other anymore. And America is, I mean, that's the beginning of us being on top of the world and having no real competition. So I feel like, there's this sense of optimism that comes through in movies about the era too. Absolutely. Also, I will say, uh, Corey, like I never interpreted that as her dropping it on purpose. Uh, you're right. I want. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Thing. No, Zach, you handle. That. I've, I've talked enough. You you uh, you take the reins on that one. Well, no, no. Especially as someone who's fairly new to the movie, I thought it was supposed purposely left. Uh, ambiguous like you're mm. not sure now my interpretation is the same as yours yes I think she she did do it on purpose but I also think that comes from the fact that I'm the oldest kid in my family and that's the type of thing I might do to make my brother feel good oh see so super interesting I'm also the oldest in my family I'm, and I, it's funny. I'm the youngest and I never ever even in a million years thought that that was a thing but the, but that's what's cool, cool about this movie is I've seen this movie so many times and then the moment you said that I was like no shit like that this is cool like because i'd never thought about that way and it's just i do like i think you're zach i think you're right it is open-ended but the fact that it can be equally interpreted like either way and still be good is like i mean it's that's why i would say there's a lot of things there's a lot of movies in what we're talking about that are kind of hokey uh mighty ducks um there are going to be a small handful of movies that i put into the like these are actual movies category, not just sports movies. This would be on, in my opinion, a list of like best movies ever made. Anyways, I think White Men Can't Jump might be lower on that list, but probably would also be on that list. Um, this movie is excellent. It's just a good movie. Yeah, and we can't stop talking about this without without at least referencing. Uh, there's no crying in baseball. Come on! Yeah. Oh my God! Absolutely. You know, if we're talking cultural cachet with Mighty Ducks, like League of Their Own. Not as much, certainly, but it still has cultural cachet. Oh, so sure. I think this is a definite yes. Yeah, it's it's a shoo-in for sure. I'm going to say maybe just because I forget our whole list, but probably yes. It's going in. We're, yeah. we'll, we'll fight. No, it's we'll that, fight. That, that, <laughs> if it's you, couldn't, you couldn't just three. You couldn't give the three thumbs up, man. Come on. <laughs> All right. So next up is 1993's Rookie of the Year. I am mad at both of you because apparently neither of you have seen Little Big League or appreciate Little Big League, and I think it is the better movie about a child becoming a part of a Major League Baseball franchise, but Rookie of the Year, 
let's talk about it. Henry Rowan Gardner, infamous, infamous character. What a guy. You know, like I said, we don't need to harp on all these. This is a classic, like, kids movie. And, uh, I mean, I don't think, would I put it in there? I don't think it edges top 10. I really don't. I think, uh, I think it's excellent. I would definitely put it as like any kid needs to see this movie. It's an excellent movie. It's fun. It does hold up, but I don't think it's top 10 realistically. I I tend to agree. Um, the, the, just the idea that you can break your arm and that gives you superpowers. (laughs) So you can throw it like a fastball is incredible. We let's be honest. We all tried the giant, like the giant looping pitch, to see if we could strike some. But yeah, I, I don't. I liked this movie, but this is one I actually haven't seen in at least like twenty years. And speak one last thing. Speaking of this movie, '90s uh, Hall of Fame. You know what we forgot to? I don't think it would make our list, but we forgot about is Angels in the Outfield. I mentioned that one. Corey oh, was very okay. against it. I purposely kept it off. I hate that movie. No, <laughs> I, mean, I don't hate it. That's not true. Like, what's there to hate? Another, another like, Disney franchise that became a real franchise. Well, here's the thing. For, in 93 and 94, there were four kind of kids baseball movies. There was Rookie of the Year, The Sandlot in 93, and then 94 was Little Big League and Angels in the Outfield. So, like, if we're ranking those, Angels in the Outfield is the clear bottom. So, like... We don't need to bring it in here. Yeah, like I said these are like I would recommend if someone's if someone's like, oh, I've never seen rookie of the year. I'd be like, oh, you never seen rookie of the year? You gotta watch it. But like beyond that, I would just carry on living my life. <laughs> uh, all right, I think we've got this one down. <laughs> yeah. So this is out, but if you've never seen it and you grew up in the '90s, watch it. Uh, let's go to another 1993 film. This is our first first football entry, and it is Rudy. Stegs, you're taking the lead. Go ahead. Oh yeah, first lead on this. All right, I'm glad I'm starting. I'm glad I'm starting with a movie that I actually believe in here too, because I got a couple that I don't that I somehow <laughs> argued for for some reason. This is, I mean, I think arguably, I think it trumped over the movie that was previously the like hallmark, like men crying movie of Brian Song, and I think it became Rudy when this came out, and I don't think anything surpassed it since. It is Sean Astin. And I, I, Sean Astin is that rare guy that, like, unfortunately, this didn't carry past the last one. But, like, he was due for, like, an iconic role, all-time iconic role every, like, eight years. He basically had Goonies. Then he, like, kind of tapered off a little bit to a couple weird movies. He did that, like, weird school invasion 80s movie with uh, Will Wheaton. Um, and then he came out for, you know, he got he got Rudy. It's an all-time classic. And then, you know, obviously, eventually it, it goes into uh, Lord of the Rings. And, you know, he's cemented as as Sean Astin. Uh, but I, I, this movie doesn't embellish a true story. Uh, yeah. Oh, at big time. Um, absolutely. Pretty much all of the, like, not all of them, but like a couple of the big plot points. They're like, Oh my God, that didn't happen. You know, no, no smelting fire. That didn't happen. Um, no jerseys down, um, you know, to get them in there. That didn't happen. But like, those are, phenomenal i think this is a phenomenal example of like hollywood sensationalizing sensationalizing a story to make it better for a movie and it is perfect it's it, it is like for what it is it's like to have a movie that this that's this treacly sweet that is still so watchable to the point where i pretty much watch it every single time just to get like a little tear in my eye when he gets the acceptance letter on the beach i mean on the beach on the bench sorry um like i've been to that bench um, I went there to look at it on my, I went on a road trip with some friends and we were like swung into there. 
this movie made me a diehard Notre Dame fan. Still am, even though I went to Boston College. I am a Notre Dame fan. It was a controversial a fandom. Wow. Yeah. But diehard Notre Dame fan, love them. Um, I think it's an I just think it's an all time sports movie. This movie's interesting to me. You're you're not gonna catch me trying to talk you guys out of keeping this in the top ten because I understand this is one of the most important sports movies of all time. It doesn't it's never really resonated that much with me because it was ruined before I ever saw it. And by that I mean like I spent too much time on the internet seeing memes about it, seeing jokes about it. Even even in like the mid 2000s, we already had spoofs and jokes about it. So I didn't see it until I think like 2010 or something like that. And by that time, I knew all of the I knew all the major moments and scenes and things like that from people making fun of it already. So mm. it didn't have that impact on me like I know it should have. I do understand that like when movies like this happen, when you end up just, it ends up becoming like a string of memes to the point where you can't really come into it late. And so I will put the caveat on this movie is like, you need to come into this movie, not being like jaded, a jaded person <laughs> in general, uh, because otherwise it is an easy movie to pick apart. Cause it is like, like I said, it's, it's supposed to be, it's essentially a really high end Hallmark movie for dudes. Like that's what this movie is. Um, but it's yeah. like, but it is the definitive Hallmark movie. My other big problem was by the time I saw it, I had already read several articles about how much of it was untrue. So then I'm watching it the entire time sitting there thinking, well, this is bullshit. That didn't happen. Like, no one, apparently no one really even liked Rudy that much. Which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think the important part is it's true that he was carried off the field. He made a sack. I mean, right. I mean like the sports part is true. And honestly, it does like, they, I don't know if they did it during an actual game day or something because it was the nineties. They didn't have any way to fake it. And it was like, it is, it talk about real feeling football. It, it like, it really feels like you're at the stadium and you're the, and it's like, so it's really cool on that front. It also did set a template or a basis for sports movies going forward to show, to set it, set it up. So like, this is how you make a good sports movie. Follow this, uh, this outline. No, I, I, I do agree. There's no Invincible if there's no Rudy. And I think Invincible is a very enjoyable movie. Yeah, yeah. there's no Remember the Titans. There's mm. no, I mean, pick pick your favorite um, uplifting sports movie. Yeah, I think the fact that it did get memefied and parodied so often afterwards just speaks to its cultural relevance. And, you know, so for me, I, I we, we've stated on this podcast a number of times that I'm dead inside. So like Rudy doesn't get me the same way that it gets most people. But I also understand that this is an incredibly important sports movie. And so if we're being real and objective about this, it has to go in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think I think so, too. I mean, I obviously agree. I think it's a it's a uh, it's a classic. There's really no way around it. It is uh, any any sports list uh, without Rudy on it is not really a relevant sports list. So use sports reference to describe our sports movies. It's kind of like how you can't have a top 10 quarterbacks of all time without Johnny Unitas, even though he'd probably be the 50th best, best quarterback in the league right now. Yeah. He invented the shit. Yeah. All right. So let's go to another classic from 1993 Stegs. You are also taking the lead on this. It is the Sandlot. Mm. All right. And that, you know, funny thing is I will defer on this one a lot anyways, because a lot nice. There we go. Um, <laughs> This, I would say, is arguably the definitive 90s kids sports movie. It is 
so good. Everybody loves this movie. I don't, I don't if I think if you don't like this movie, I have to second guess like who you are as a human being or, <laughs> or think of like what harm was done to you while watching The Sandlot. And then what I love about this movie is like it is very much in a kid's head where you have he they go in and they finally like just go to talk to the guy and like the whole perspective shifts and it's just like normal dude, normal dog. Um, and it's not only just a normal dude, it's James Earl Jones. Who's like uh, amazing in everything he's in. And he's amazing in this and cap on the, on it is, uh, talking about literally cap, this freaking duck bill hat. This guy's got on the whole time with a 45 <laughs> foot long brim, uh, and a fucking trout on the front. That is an all time hat that should be up there with the likes of, uh, white man can't jump. It is an all time hat and, uh, is excellent sunblock. Yeah, I mean, the best thing that I can add here, because, you know, Stegs, you covered a lot of it, is that I recently sat down with, you know, four of my very good friends, and one of those friends had a two and a half year old child. And we all sat down together and all enjoyed it equally. So, you know, no matter the age you are, like whether you're 33 and you grew up with this movie or if you're a two and a half year old kid who can barely understand movies like, you know, how kids get obsessed with a movie and they want to watch it every day. He did that for four days straight. He wanted to watch The Sandlot. So like even when he was two and a half, it still resonated with him and he loved it that much. And I was like, you know, I was hung over the next day and I was like, fuck, I'll watch this again with you. I don't care. Like this, it's the Sandlot. It rules. It's amazing. You heard it here, guys, for two and a half year olds and drunk 35 year olds. Uh, no. The legacy that this movie left to with our generation and, and generate the generation slightly older than us too. like, you know, everybody, every single Halloween, somebody's dressed as squints and some and his girlfriend or wife or whomever is dressed as um What's her name? The lifeguard. Wendy Peppercorn. Wendy Wendy Peppercorn. Uh, Benny the Jet, absolute all timer. I like. I feel like we should have we should have gotten a serious drama about Benny the Jet and his career because I want to explore his career more or in, in more in depth in Major League Baseball. One other thing that's interesting about this one, which probably hasn't applied to any of the movies we've talked about so far. This is one of the few sports movies from our era where all of the girls are now women who we grew up with also saw this movie and loved it. This isn't a movie that you only talk about with your guy friends. Like every girl I knew, I knew growing up loved this movie. So it, it just speaks to how impactful it was and how good it was. It's also interesting to think about that because it's still a movie about an entirely boy cast for the most, most part. But it, there was something just... Uh, there was something just appealing about uh, a group of kids having an awesome summer together, meeting up on the baseball field um, and playing, which I didn't do. I would meet up and play soccer with friends, but it's still the same the same uh, idea applies. Exactly. It's a movie that transcends its plot and its sport because I didn't do that either. But like everyone can relate to this idea of getting together with friends every day to like do something for me it was bmx biking in the woods or playing like touch football it's it's not reliant on the baseball it's just about hanging out and that's what it captures so perfectly because so often they're not even playing baseball they're going through this whole plot 
for 45 minutes of the movie to get a baseball back. They're not playing baseball. It's just like, we need to get this ball back. And it's like going on an adventure with friends. So like, it just transcends what the sport is in this movie to make it so much more. And that's what I love about it so much. And as someone who moved a lot as a kid, I also relate to, oh my God, why am I drawing a blank? The main character's name, Smalls. Smalls. Uh, yeah, I I relate to him in the beginning of the movie where he's like kind of nerdy and doesn't know how to go out and make friends. Now, I I wasn't that bad, but still like it, it makes perfect sense to me because this is how I made this is how I made friends as a kid. Every time I moved, the first way I found friends was by joining a, a team or playing sports. And then those kids, whomever they were, became my closest friends. So it, yeah, it, it nails everything. I think this one's a shoe in. I like how Zach has also like inadvertently added a secondary category, which is how many people dressed up as these people for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's mentioned that on, on multiple films now. And like, it actually is not a horrible category. It, like it does, it, it, it does. It's kind of echoes that cultural reverberance aspect that you're talking about. Super important. I mean, wet, hot American summer. How many people have dressed up as those characters, you know, like, <laughs> Royal Tenenbaums, how many people have dressed up as Richie and Margot? Like, these things carry on, and that's that's actually important. It really yeah. is. No, I like it. Corey, I think Royal Tenenbaums might be just your hipster crew and people <laughs> who know it like me. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. Wait, what? People who'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about right now? <laughs> I mean, how many people dress up as Kurosawa characters? It's such it resonates <laughs> with everyone. You haven't seen people dressing up as Richie and Margot. Come on. No, I, I definitely have. Yes. But it's, not, it's not as predominant as Squints and Wendy Peppercorn. Our friends are very different then. Uh, Sandlot, it has to go in, correct? Yeah. All right. So at this point, we have four definites in the Hall of Fame. I'm two for two. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> they are the Sandlot, Rudy, a league of their own, and white men can't jump. We are going to the next family-centric film, also from 90, 1993. It is Cool Runnings. Zach, take it away. All right. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I know I the five that I picked are all very similar, so they're probably not all going to get in. But Cool Runnings, I'll make a case for because it is yet another, yet another sports family-friendly movie that is so unique. It tackles a sport that no one knows knew anything about. And still, no one really knows anything about. No one actually follows bobsledding. But it's also it also follows an incredible story. So I'm glad they made the movie because I think those four individuals uh, on the Jamaican bobsled team should absolutely be talked about. I think again, I think our entire generation can quote that movie backwards and forwards. Sanka, you did. Yaman is one of the great lines of all time. I whenever. Whenever Natalie is upset, I will give her the pump up speech where I make her say, you've got pride, you've got power. You, and then what's, oh, you, you are a badass mother who won't take no shit from no one. What else? The, the music, the overall vibe, I think just the uniqueness of it. It, it doesn't, it, it is unlike every other movie on our list because it tackles a Caribbean island, because it tackles bobsledding and it actually dives into a little bit of the shadiness of the Olympics. I mean, for a kid's movie, it does. So I can appreciate that. And then just, yeah, just, it's, it's a hysterical movie all the way through. So it's so it introduced us as kids to a sport we otherwise would not have known about or cared about. And now I mean, 
tell me if I'm wrong. Don't you guys pay attention to bobsledding when it's on during the Winter Olympics? Because I do. Yes, I do. I will, yes, I, will I do that. as well. Yeah. I will also say, like, it's not hard to convince me that uh, any John Candy movie is worthy of of most things. I, I just, you know, I love that man. No, I mean, this is the one where if I'm going to, like, really fight for a personal pick that I know, like, all right, maybe it doesn't belong in the same category as all these other movies. This is the one that I'll go to bat for because I love Cool Runnings so much. I think it's, like, it's probably my favorite, maybe even more than The Sandlot. Like, as ridiculous as that might sound, I love Cool Runnings more than, like, anything. And it's mostly down to Sanka Coffee because he is just one of the most iconic movie characters ever. I love that man. And that actor and just the whole thing. It's the great. Fact that he's the best push cart driver on the entire <laughs> island. It's a good movie. And how many bobsled movies are out there too? So it's always nice to have a, a new sport out there. So totally and to agree. keep our theme going, we literally had girls dress up as the Jamaican bobsled team on campus and over Halloween. Very yeah. true. I yeah, give I, this I give this maybe. I, I can't I, say I also yes. give it a maybe. I can't say yes, but like if there's space later on, I will go to bat yeah, for this. This is my number 10 slot for sure if I have if there's room for it. All right. So Cool Runnings is a maybe. We are going to 1994 and another family-centric movie. It is D2, The Mighty Ducks. Yeah, so let's keep this short. Um, what D1 is to E.T., D2 is to Mac and me. Um Whoa. Uh, Whoa. They, they take they take all of the aspects of the like, oh, shit, this is great branding in this first one. Let's take that. And they're like, all right, what else can we add here? It's like, all right, let's add some more token characters. Let's add some signature lines. Let's add a knuckle puck. Let's add a lasso for good measure. And then let's take this bitch home. So uh, this movie, yes, incredibly entertaining. I would say it's, our, I mean, borderline the definitive ducks movie even though the first one like where you said the reason i say et and mac and me is like et is an actual movie mac and me is like how the fuck can we make money while like doing mcdonald's promotions let's uh, let's have this alien fucking dance with uh with ronald mcdonald that's what we'll do so this is the ducks dancing with ronald mcdonald essentially it is on on reviewing not that good uh it is (laughs) it is only good if you have a nostalgia for those movies, which I do. So I loved it still, but it's like, it's goofy. It is a nineties, goofy, goofy movie. It deserves no place on this list. It deserves a place on a list of like stupid nineties movies that you definitely want to watch. And they're like fun. But like, if you didn't watch this, this is like, if you didn't fit it in before you were 12, um, you probably missed your window to like this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I rewatched the whole trilogy when uh, Mighty Ducks Game Changers was coming out on Disney+. Great, Plus. Great Good show. show. Good show. I like that show a lot. No, so like I, I revisited all of them, and D2 back in the day was my favorite. So like yeah. all the branding and all the nonsense worked Agreed. on me when I was a kid. Yeah. And then when I rewatched it this time, I was like, this is so bad, but I still kind of like it. Yep. And there's just so many nitpicks. Like, how does Greg Goldberg change out of his goalie jersey during the course of a timeout in hockey and like all that gear to give Russ Tyler his stuff. Like what, what are we doing here? Um, But you know, it's still a lot of fun. It just doesn't belong on a hall of fame list. Absolutely. I hate you guys for pointing out these things to me and making me, uh, (laughs) making me wrestle with my own uh, childhood here. I know you're right 
but fuck you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, you guys nailed it. When we were kids, this was my favorite too. By far my favorite. I love the fact that it was it, also Corey, because we love soccer and we're into the world cup. This was like a cool world cup plot line. So the fact that they were playing these different countries with wacky uniforms of their own was so fucking cool. Uh, the Trinidad, the Trinidad and Oh my God. What a jersey. Yeah. It's interesting how, how well studios know what kids like more than what kids actually know they like, because we all just admitted this was our favorite one, right? Mm -hmm. so Absolutely. Every, every sequel for us growing up, like growing up was like this. It's great how you can dial up studios know to dial up the, the branding, merchandising, and just insanity. And kids will eat it up because we're a bunch of like sugar addicts at that age. Yeah, I hate that they're able to manipulate me so easily. Uh, we are going to 1996 now. Oddly enough, 1995 did not have a single sports movie that made it onto our final list. I don't That's know shocking. if yeah. they had one on the initial like long list for us. Um, but we're going to 1996. It is Kingpin with Woody Harrelson, Bill Murray, Randy Quaid. Really an all-star cast uh, directed by the Farrelly brothers. With Kingpin, I don't have the best case. I actually think it's the funniest movie of the kind of comedy sports movie we have, but I'm not entirely sure why and have a tr hard time like putting my finger on it. I think most of it has to do with Bill Murray and his big Earn McCracken character, which is like an all-time mm -hmm. sports movie villain. And he is just so funny. The, the plot, there's a lot of comedy baked into that. I don't have the best case, but I think this movie is absolutely hysterical. <laughs> I, I agree. I think I think it's hilarious. Um, the biggest, my favorite thing from the entire movie is just the gif of uh, Bill Murray or Bigger and McCracken with his hair absolutely batshit crazy. Bonkers. Yeah. I tend to agree. Like, I do really like this movie. I don't think I would put it in my top 10, but it is really fucking good. Everybody should watch it. Yes, it is so funny. This is a movie that I, I honestly don't know enough about. I think I've watched it on TBS, like... Like I don't know, probably 15 years ago, and liked it, but I haven't really watched it since. But I always just remember this movie like visually, without mm -hmm. having ever really seen it, because it does have some iconic imagery, like the the rose bowling ball, and obviously, yeah. as you said, Bill Murray's hair. So it's it's a great looking movie. I like the fact that there is a cool 90s movie about bowling. You know, I love alternative movie, like alternative sport movies like that. So yeah, I definitely think this should go on the list of movies that. Not only would I like to rewatch, but people should watch. But obviously, I think for all in consensus, it probably was not going to make it. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Yeah, let's go to the next 1996 film. It is Jerry Maguire. I am also taking the line or the lead on this. For me, Jerry Maguire is my favorite movie on this list of 22. But I do think that there's an argument to be had of whether it belongs in a sports movie hall of fame, because this is one of those movies where the sport is not necessarily central to the story. It's very much a rom-com that's happening within the sports world. So, you know, I, I do have some things that I think put it in contention for the sports movie hall of fame and it being such a good movie. I think it needs to be in consideration, but you know, it's, it is more of a rom-com than a sports movie. My take on it, Corey, uh, you and I texted back and forth a little bit about this. I understand why someone might argue that it shouldn't be in the Sports Hall of Fame because, sure, it's not entirely about the sport itself. However, I, I believe it's a lock and a top five at a minimum sports movie 
uh, from the decade. And my, one of my counter arguments would be this movie introduced us more than any other one to the world of being an agent. We didn't, people didn't really understand what the hell, how crazy the life of an agent was before this. So that tackles the sport aspect. Um, of course, you also have the football side of things and you have Cuba Gooding Jr. playing essentially the precursor to Terrell Owens or pick your f favorite wacky wide receiver. The other thing that I think makes this an absolute lock for 90s sp sports movie Hall of Fame is it has the most iconic sports movie line of the decade in Show Me the Money. I think that I think Show Me the Money is so important that that mantra, Show Me the Money, became an important psyche or an important motto for athletes because of this movie. Athletes saw this movie and realized, holy shit, yes, I deserve to get paid what I should get paid. Show me the money. So I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is in. I love this movie. It's an excellent, it's just an excellent movie. This is right up there with, you know, with those ones I said earlier with, if it's on, I'm watching it. I mean, this is Tom Cruise actually acting. I also would say, I don't think anybody does real world settings better than 90s Cameron Crowe because it, it carries over to Almost Famous, which is probably a top three favorite movie of all time for me. I, I agree. I mean, Corey, I understand why because I was in that same boat of like, could it, could we remove it for that purpose? But like, I think if we're doing that, it, it probably ultimately is just us trying to like find a way to give us an extra slot for another movie because this movie clearly belongs on the list. I 100% agree. I mean, Zach, your point about the agent world and it captures it very perfectly because I've had a lot of friends who have gone on to, you know, have agents and, you know, play soccer. And they all say that this kind of distrust about whether your agent and these people who are working for you actually have your best interest in mind. It captures that very perfectly. So it kind of hits the nail on the head and the relationship between Jerry and Rod, Rod Tidwell played by Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. You know, what they do with one another where Tom Cruise becomes the agent that he wants to be because of Rod and Rod actually becomes a better player because he listens to his agent. That relationship is central to the movie besides the Renee Zellweger one. So I think that there's enough sports stuff to justify it being in. And it's such a good movie that I feel like it has to be. And it also tackles the, the draft and the drama around the draft, which at the time, you know, People followed, but not as closely. And now it's a cottage in industry unto itself. So like that whole idea that Frank Cushman, the, you know, hotshot quarterback would screw over a potential agent for somebody else. It, I mean, that's pretty compelling stuff and it's ahead of its time. Um, people didn't, I don't think, maybe I'm wrong because I was just a kid in the nineties, but I don't think people really understood how commonplace or how shady that type of behavior might've been uh, with regard to athletes in the NFL. All right, so Jerry Maguire goes in. That is five definites in now. I am three for four. Suck it, everybody. Uh, we are going to 1996's Happy Gilmore now. Yes. And Zach, this is your lead. If this one isn't a lock for you guys, I might have to jump off the podcast after this because this movie is the definitive golf movie. I don't care about uh, Legend of Bagger Vance or whatever the hell else you guys want to watch. This is the golf movie. Um, it is Adam Sandler in his prime. It is Shooter McGavin. I can't remember the actor's name, but he's basically Shooter McGavin in real life now anyway. 
obviously it obviously made every kid and every probably 20 something year old at the time think that they could take a running start and just smack the shit out of a golf ball a uh, 400 yards sure did. Um, this was a this was a movie that made me want to go try golf because it seemed like it could be fun and cool you obviously learn it's not like the movie it doesn't work like that but this i mean happy gilmore is a plus start to finish the cameos in it are are perfect bob barker and jaws as his boss are incredible <laughs> uh, so i think for the way it is impacted the way the way it is impacted the way dumbass 33 year olds like me now play golf or like just bullshit on a golf course with my friends is why it should be in the hall of fame like i all of my friends and I still quote this stupid movie because we're playing golf and because this is what we grew up with. And I know everybody else does. It's not just us. While I've disagreed with a number of things you said, including it being the definitive golf movie and Adam Sandler at his peak, I do think this is the best sports comedy we have in the 22. And so in the interest of diversity, I do think it needs to be in. By the way, peak golf is Tin Cup and Caddyshack and then Happy Gilmore. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. Caddyshack, <laughs> you're right. I, that's, yes. And it's, Peak Sandler is Big Daddy. I love Big Daddy so much. Close. I think it is close, but mm. you're right. Caddyshack is the the top golf movie. Well, we'll argue about that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this movie, I mean, I, I agree. I think it belongs on the list. I love this movie. I think everyone, I mean, I think everyone loves this movie, but I think the fact that if you play golf, you've done the Happy Gilmore swing, regardless if you've seen the movie or not. And that's and I think that's a power of movies that make like sports movies that are about things that aren't like made that often. You know, it's not a baseball movie, it's not a football movie, uh, it's not a hockey movie. It's like because it's golf. Like golf has a handful of movies, and I honestly think pretty much most of golf movies are excellent. Um, there's really only a handful of them and they're all really well done because they're usually made by people who like, like actually like the sport. I love this movie. It's a great movie. I would put it on a list. Um, do I think it's a definitive golf movie? I think it's a definitive golf movie. One, one last thing for my argument, for the sake of my argument here, uh, there is one serious element to this movie. It is pure comedy except for one serious element in that it does tackle, at least on the surface level, the division between the ultra wealth that that exists in golf and it being a rich man's sport compared to the common man wanting to actually play. Obviously, happy represents the common man. So I think it does a good, a good job of showing that, you know, the common man can enjoy golf, too, if it weren't such an exclusive sport. I agree. It does have some realness. As someone who never plays golf but plays mini golf often, the scene where he yells, you're going to die, clown, and then smashes <laughs> up the fucking mini golf element is yeah. my favorite scene in the entire movie. And I have done that as opposed to the Happy Gilmore thing because I just don't play golf. Um, all right. So let's go to the next one. Happy Gilmore is in. That is six definites now. We have four spots left. The next one up on the list is Space Jam which I don't think is getting in, but we do need to discuss Space Jam. Probably, you're right. Probably not getting in, but it's still a top 20 or top, yeah, tw top 20 of the decade because it just speaks to the power of Michael Jordan. It's why Michael Jordan will always be better than LeBron James. Space Jam is so much fucking better than Space, that, that abomination that is Space Jam 2. He's so much cooler. He interacts with Bugs better. Bugs and, and the crew are absolutely hysterical throughout this movie. 
and of course, like it made me as a kid, it made me want to go play basketball. I mean, not, you know, it, not that I was any any great at basketball, but yeah, it was it was just a phenomenal kids sports movie, and it was extremely unique and different because it married the top star ever in the history of all sports with cartoons and actually put together a, a relatively coherent movie. The last thing I'll say about it is the other NBA stars in it are also pretty hysterical. Char- Charles Barkley is phenomenal in this movie. Well, Muggsy Bogues in there. And the, scene, yep, and Muggsy. the scene where they're dealing with like not having their talents anymore is one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie where like Charles Barkley goes to play pickup with these little kids and gets a shot blocked. It's so fucking good. I love it. You just don't want to be who looks like him. (laughs) What is Sean Bradley doing in this movie also? Just because he's 7'6 and Muggsy Bogues is 5'3, like we could have gotten better people. That's exactly it. That's the only reason. Um, Yeah, but I do agree that this version was miles, miles better than A New Legacy. I think that was one of the worst movies ever made. I, I think what's yeah. most surprising to me is that you've both seen the new uh, Space Jam movie. I had um, to. Yes, I absolutely. Is, how many put it I think there was a little. To. I think there was a little bit too much uh, Michael Jordan like shaft grabbing during your your soliloquy over there, for my <laughs> taste. Um, but I do think this is like the '90s in a nutshell. Like this movie is the '90s. I I do. I always appreciate a movie that that does. 2d animation and you know and like live action together well i mean i still think like and this like regardless of how like ridiculous this plot is like it does it well i will also say like this re-watching this movie though like it definitely has elements of what we were talking about with d2 where it's like very much a cash grab and i think that's probably what one of the reasons that we didn't like the new one, I didn't watch it, but I was saying is because it was basically the same thing, but you're no longer young to be able to appreciate that anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's the nineties. It would definitely be on a list of like nineties sports movie, but it's like, it's borderline a theme park ride and not a, uh, and not a movie. One that I want to go on though. No, absolutely. I'd go on it. I'd go on it multiple times. I'd buy the corn dogs when I'm done. Every kid should watch it, but yeah, probably not on this list. Should All they right. though? Like, <laughs> like, like yes, I think, I think should. I actually disagree. I think this movie is a time capsule for people who watched it in the nineties and it's an awesome movie for that. I think it doesn't have a ton of appeal for kids nowadays because a lot of it was based in like the celebrity of who was in this thing. And it was awesome on that front. Kids need to watch this to know that Michael Jordan is better than LeBron exactly. because that is important. <laughs> exactly. It, this is for historical purposes. You need to teach your kids, right? All right, let's go to the next 1996 movie. 1996 also has a lot. Uh, Tin Cup, Stex, take it away. So speaking of the definitive golf movie, I do think a lot of people would say Caddyshack is the definitive golf movie. It was definitely like the first big golf movie, and it did a lot for golf movies in general. It's a hilarious comedy, I think. Um, and it has a lot of things you can latch on to that are like things that like can be made to remember, you know, like little puppet gophers and, and like the classic scene with the, with the flowers, with, uh, Bill, Co- uh, sorry, Bill Cosby, Jesus, uh, <laughs> R Kelly and Bill Cosby. We've got both of them in here. Thing about that movie is I think a lot of that is still, it's basically just a comedy movie. Like it's not as far as the actual sport of golf on film, like anyone who's a real golfer and who has seen tin cup loves this movie. It is a all time. I, I mean, I, this is probably as far as like, why do I think it's better than some of the other movies we talked about? Um, no, like, I don't think it's better than um, 
League of Their Own. League of Their Own. I don't. I don't think it's better than League of Their Own by any means, but as an actual movie. But as far as like my favorite '90s sports movies, this is number one, like by far. I love this movie so much. Is I. This also is if you ever want to watch this movie, if you have cable, just go to the Golf Channel because eighty percent of their time is just airing Tin Cup. Um, It is an amazing rom com that with no downtime. It is an amazing sports movie with, I would say, some of the all-time definitive golf scenes. Not just, I'll say that, definitively, they are some of the all-time best golf scenes. I think it's the best representation of actually playing golf, modern golf, on screen. Um, I love this movie so much. I think as a pure representation of a weirder sport that's just from enjoyment, I don't think it's up in the top five, but I would strongly suggest this be in the top ten. I love Tin Cup. I am in full agreement with you. I think the scene where Kevin Costner continuously just keeps dropping the ball and keeps putting it into the water over and over and over again, it just latches onto something about like the spiritual side of golf, which is something I know nothing about, but it's the same way like Bull Durham latches onto the spiritual side of baseball. And it does that for golf. And so that scene represents it so perfectly where like, you know, you can do something, but this thing is fucking you over, over and over again, and you can do nothing about it and you just need to beat it. And he's doing it at the most inopportune time. So there's like a really good human element too, about like having to overcome your own bullshit to like be good at a sport. So like, yes, I, I love this movie. I think it also has to be in, um, I love tin cup. And dude, no, like two things you just said, like were excellent points uh, going off of like kind of just the ju- like the junction between us because like you are not a golfer and I am a golfer and we both love this movie. That's testament to what it is as an actual movie. But and that's the other part about like what you're talking about with how that ends. This movie is unique. It is not like its plot is unique. Like the, like it, while it is still kind of a rom com standard rom com, like the way that that ends. Like that is, you know, there's like, you know, they won't remember who won last year, but they'll remember your 12, Roy. Like that is also true of the end of this movie. Like you might not remember the end of a movie other than like, oh, he won this movie. He doesn't, he doesn't win. No, I sorry, it's a horrible spoiler, but like, but like this movie is not about that. This movie is about something else. And it not only has really realistic golf, a really awesome plot, but it's like a kind of a unique movie that stays with you in that way. And not in like a, oh, I'm really think piece about like emotions, just like a cool plot that has a different spin and it feels unique. It's just a good movie. Zach, you hadn't seen this until we made you watch it for this. What was your reaction? So here's the thing, fellas. I didn't watch it. (laughs) I still haven't seen it. You suck. (laughs) Look, I can't argue against you guys because I haven't seen it. My only arguments against its inclusion in the top 10 is from my very biased standpoint, but from my standpoint, I'm someone who watches a ton of sports movies and know, I, I think I know pop culture and sports movies very well. I had never even heard of Tin Cup until this year. I, it had zero impact on my entire life. My argument would just be Happy Gilmore should be in ahead of Tin Cup because I would argue that it had a much bigger cultural impact as a sports movie in the 90s than Tin Cup did, even though Tin Cup might be a way better movie. I don't disagree that Happy Gilmore should be higher up on the list, but I will die on the hill of of Tin Cup being included in the top 10. I do think it's that good. 
Happy Gilmore is already in. <laughs> Zach, your opinion on this movie is irrelevant because you didn't watch it. Do your fucking homework. Uh, let's go. <laughs> he to... did look at the poster though, so they have to factor that in. Evidently, look at this. He looks ridiculous. <laughs> I don't disagree with you, but um, all right. So Happy Gilmore, Tin Cup are in. We are up to seven. We have three spots left. I'd say there's probably one more definite on our list, and then we have two that we can argue over, uh, two slots anyway. The next one is 1998's He Got Game. We are skipping 97 because, once again, there's nothing from that year. Uh, I think that's odd. He Got Game deserves consideration for one scene and one scene alone, and it's the one-on-one basketball scene between Denzel and Ray Allen. Um, There's a great story about this where that was scripted supposed to be 11-0 to in Ray Allen's favor, and then Denzel came out and started scoring baskets on Ray Allen, at which point he got really fucking annoyed because Denzel was scoring points on him, and so Ray Allen then just ran the table on him, and that is what stayed in the movie, that version of the events of that one-on-one game. You know, for me, this isn't Spike's best, and it's just kind of a middle-of-the-road movie, but that Ray Allen-Denzel one-on-one scene is incredible. I'm right there with you. Um, I saw this movie a long time ago, and I do remember liking it, but the only scene that is truly memorable and that stood out to me was that scene between them. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's a very good movie. I, I don't know that I would consider it for top 10. Aside from the fact that one of our criteria was how good is the actual sport in the movie? And cl- I mean, it is very damn good. I think Denzel was also like a D3 basketball player or something, so... He played intramural at Fordham University. Oh, okay. All right. Not that. Okay. Not quite as good, but still, still the, the sport itself is awesome. Um, and I don't know, for whatever reason, this, this movie never really hit home for me. Like some of these other ones did. I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> you also suck. Do you fucking over? Uh, I know that. Well, I had to watch it's a lot also of spike. <laughs> no, I know. I, 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 I have seen parts of this movie, but I don't feel comfortable. Like, but I, I think, from just knowing about this movie, I definitely think it would be a top 20 movie. Um, one thing I do want to mention here, speaking of going backwards here, but um, speaking of 94, I think it's important to mention that for anyone to take this list seriously, had documentaries been allowed, Hoop, oh, Dreams, Dreams. Hoop Dreams might be number one on our sports list. But uh, we just, yeah, I think we're all on the same page about that. But we eliminated those on purpose. All right, so the next one up is 1998's The Waterboy, the next Adam Sandler installment. This has some actually legit good football in it, which was surprising to me. Yeah, yeah. So this was another one of mine, and I feel like I'm setting myself up for failure trying to get trying to push two Adam Sandler movies in here, but I'm going to do it anyway. This movie, this movie is, again, Sandler at his peak. And Corey, you mentioned, yeah, um, Big Daddy is probably his best. But by peak, I mean like his run from Happy Gilmore or from Billy Madison, whichever came first, through Big Daddy is really Sandler's peak. Uh, Waterboy is absolutely incredible. It's probably a little offensive by today's standards, but I don't give (laughs) I just don't. Um, His uh, Kathy Bates as his mom, I think this was the first time they teamed up together. She... She just shows what an incredible actress she is and how she's a cut above everybody else in the movie because of how fucking funny she is as Mama. And then 
the sport, the, yeah, the, the sport itself is, I mean, it's played, played pretty well. Um, and it, just the idea that this, you know, absolute moron could tap into some hidden anger and absolutely light up as a linebacker, every single team is, I don't know. It's just perfect. This movie's perfect start to finish. Oh, and one other thing, um, that's great about it is the incorporation of ac the actual like people from the actual sport, like how um, Bill Cower shows up, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson. Can and I have that hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> and then the two announcers, Brent, I think it's Brent Musburger and Dan Fouts. Uh, yeah. I, I think they incorporate the overall aesthetic of college football very well. I agree. I, uh, I'll make my point uh, for this one as I should. And I gotta be the best being a pounder punch, man. And uh, to get back to get some man, and I say, and we good, real good. Now I should be the He's gotta be the best matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's no, it's a good. Movie. Really good. <laughs> Great agent right there. Yeah, I'd go so far as to give this a maybe, with knowing that it's probably not getting in. I can't say no to it, and I agree with you because I would definitely won't say yes to it. But just like just to know that I at least like this movie, I'll, I'll write a maybe on this one. I like this movie quite a bit even though it is incredibly offensive now. Um, but the football's really good. So, like, I have to give it a maybe, knowing that probably not. Oh, no, we suck again is something we've all <laughs> probably yelled at, at our various football teams. Yeah. All right. So the last one from 98 is basketball. They invented a sport, and it's very funny, but it's not going in. No, I mean, leave it at that. It was, it's worthy of a mention, but... I don't think I, I I wouldn't put it on any of my list. Probably not. But you motherfuckers, Corey, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a brief period of time where you assholes called me Squeak. Because <laughs> you're kind of like Squeak. <laughs> and it used to make me so mad, even though I tried to not let you, I tried to hide it or not let you guys know. It drove me up a fucking wall that you called me Squeak and, uh, and thought of me as him. So uh, that's, yeah. I swear to God, if you guys rip on me like 13 or 14 more times, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one. And we have five fucking movies from 1999. There was a lot, but only two, I think, deserve much conversation. The first one is The Hurricane. Good movie. Incredible Denzel, Denzel performance. Barely really a sports movie. There's like three boxing scenes, and one of them was incredibly disingenuous to the actual thing that happened in real life. The next one is For Love of the Game with Costner, another Costner appearance. This is lower Costner baseball movie, but the last scene where he's like finishing off the perfect game is really, really epic. The next one is Mystery Alaska, a pretty charming movie, decent hockey. Russell Crowe's hair deserves a mention, but probably not in consideration. I think if anybody put Mystery Alaska on a top 10 of 90 sports films, we would not be taken very seriously. So I'm glad that that was at least mentioned because it is a very enjoyable movie. But like, it's enjoyable in the way of like, you're melting into the couch on a Sunday and you're like, what do I want to watch? And I'm like, well, I guess Mystery Alaska. And then you have that and then you end up eating something for lunch that like wasn't your absolute option that you definitely <laughs> wanted, but it was like a decent option. And then you just watch it and you're like, yeah, I enjoyed that movie. I feel like mildly satiated. I'm going to go get a bowl of cereal. That's like, that's what that movie is. Yeah, it, it feels wrong uh, denying Denzel twice, but I think the hurricane of the ones we just mentioned might be the closest, but I think you're right. Probably not enough sport in it in general. And 
none of these three to me have had like the, again, I keep coming back to it, but have had the cultural impact that the majority of the ones we've discussed prior to this have. Like a, a lot of people I'm sure couldn't really tell me much about any of these. Agreed. The last two are both football movies and both I think deserve consideration for the last two spots. I don't think both of them can go in. The first one is Oliver Stone's Any Given Sunday. And for this, I have two key points that I think have to put it in consideration for things. The first is the way that Oliver Stone shoots the football in this movie. Yeah. And the way that it incorporates so many actual football players and really athletic people into the movie. All of the football looks absolutely incredible and it really captures the chaotic and violent nature of the sport. I think better than almost any football movie I've ever seen before. So I think that has to at least give it consideration for the hall of fame. And then the other big thing is obviously Al Pacino's speech, which lives on in anything. If you ever played a sport, your coach has probably played it for you. And that speech is the best, one of the best speeches, regardless of genre and it is certainly the best sports movie speech, I think. It is right up there. It's got that. I remember my first day going to doubles. Um, my friend Steve picked me up and was our, we didn't play freshman, sophomore year. We only played junior, senior. And uh, we drove there and we sat in the parking lot at like six in the morning and listened to that speech in his Jeep and just listened to the Al Pacino speech. It is an all time it is a top it's got to be a top three movie like just speech like move and it's definitely a sports movie speech but just a movie speech it's a it's an all-timer and yeah i think that's it's hard not to include that movie for sure i actually uh cory i'd probably argue that both of these movies do belong in but um i'll stick to any given sunday for, for the time being it's funny this is a this is a weird one for me because i really like the movie and yet i also find it a bit overrated because of the fact that i like some of the performances are so over the top, they're bordering on goofy. Um, even, I mean, even Pacino at times is bordering on goofy. Now, I think that was also part, I think that was also the goal um, of the movie was to sensationalize this because football is such a sensational sport to begin with. It's just a little difficult to watch now in 2021 because there is a dated feel to the approach that this, that, it takes with everything with that said it also like jerry Maguire, introduces i think america to a lot of things that go on in football or went on in football at the time that we didn't necessarily know about like guys getting shot up in the locker room with a shitload of painkillers um guys having drug problems all the chaos that goes on in the gm and owner's box so i that part is really cool yeah i mean i have it in the maybe category because i also have a lot of problems with it i think all this flashbacks to like old-timey football is overwrought I don't think we need that I think that a lot of things are over the top I don't think anyone's ever lost an eyeball in a thing and it's just like amped up for shock value so like I actually I have this in a maybe because it does have a lot of iconic important things but it doesn't resonate as much as some other movies that we do have in the maybe category and I I think Spoiler alert, Varsity Blues is our last movie, and I think it has to go in. I think Varsity Blues is incredible. I think both of these should go in because I don't think you can have a conversation about 90s sports movies without talking about these two. They, like, everybody knows them. Again, I, come, I keep coming back to, like, how big were these movies for their sport and for pop culture? And 
everyone knows any given Sunday. I mean, you can't like it's it, it, the even the term any given Sunday is is a term that people know um, when when talking about the sport. So I would also say any given Sunday is interchangeable with varsity blues to me. Ooh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to nitpick you on that one, and we'll segue into var. Yeah, we're gonna segue into varsity blues for sure because I would say where any given Sunday is remembered mainly as aspects of the movie. I bet you most people wouldn't necessarily remember every aspect of that. They remember it as a speech. They might remember some parts of it, but I think Farsi blues is nineties football to me. I will also say, I think a lot of things we've talked about today are very early nineties to mid nineties vibe. I would say varsity blues is of pretty much maybe the only one that we've talked about that is like very much like almost impressively so dated into 1999 like it is locked into that like i think the music it it is i would say as a film it is as much identified with the music as tony hawk's pro skater one is identified with its soundtrack it is like so locked into a specific thing to the point where anytime i hear those tracks like there goes my hero it's like boom varsity blues um i love it so much it has every i mean they're all caricatures and in different ways, but at the same time, while being caricatures, all of the, every single person has a legit like character arc in a cool way, something going on behind the scenes. They aren't just like, they aren't just random people. Like they're, they kind of feel like it feels like a comic book in a way of like a comic book version of a football team. But like you have the, the original quarterback who's going to go to like, who's going to go to the uh, NFL, which by the way, almost as a uh, Jason street, uh, like predecessor in the way that his characters were in 100% is like yeah. Friday night lights doesn't exist without varsity blues. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's varsity blues. If you, if you verse varsity blues comes together with the actual Friday night lights book to make the Friday night lights TV show, which is something we should all be thanking our stars for. Cause it's unbelievable, but you have, your star quarterback who gets his knee blown out and then his girlfriend doesn't like want to be with him because she's not sure that she, you know, she, she wants to get out of the town and that was her ticket out, but then he finds his place there. And then you have your reluctant other quarterback who has always kind of been taking the back seat. Then you even have like your star running back who is kind of like one of the catalysts to reveal how backwards your uh, coach is because he's always had to have his mom do his recruiting because his coach is racist and won't even let him score touchdown. And then you have Billy Bob who's having like struggles with, uh, concussions and like this, like the actual like toxic masculinity even makes a appearance somehow in 1999. It somehow makes an appearance while also um, being a very misogynistic movie at certain times. It's very 1999 in a bad way and in a good way at times. So it, it has its pros and cons, but as a, just like a museum marker of 1999, this movie is like ingrained in my brain. It's James Vanderbeek at the all-time best James Vanderbeek. It's, you know, it's playing football in West Canyon, Texas. May have been the opportunity of your lifetime, but I don't want your life. All right. I don't want your life. It is so good. I love it so much. This has to be in there. It has a lot of flaws, but it is like it's good in a way that like stadium rock is good, you know, like it like it, it's goofy and it's it's uh like I said, it has its flaws, but it is a good one. I don't know what flaws you speak of because I think this movie is perfect. It touches <laughs> on all of the things that any given Sunday does, like the crazy stuff behind the scenes with people getting shot up and 
all the injury stuff and all the darkness that comes along with football with coaches who have this win it all costs mentality. And so it touches on all those things, but does so in a more memorable, more enjoyable, and quite frankly, a more palatable timeline because it is not two hours and 40 minutes because Oliver Stone always has to include all this other bullshit in his movie. So varsity blues for me has to go in and it's not really a question uh, for me. And just to like, just to specify too, like my flaws are not necessarily flaws. It aren't flaws with the movie. It's flaws from the era that it represents. Like it's, for sure. I mean, Tweeter literally Tweeter's hilarious, but like Tweeter's got some very, very like Tweeter would have been fired from his job for sure. Uh, when me too came around, uh, oh, Tweeter would have been canceled yeah, real quick. Tweeter would have been canceled and arguably maybe arrested. So I love the, while Bud Kilmer is kind of like a very two dimensional character for most of it, there's like a dime flip. And I love it so much to the point where I use it as a reference a lot of times when I'm talking about certain character flips with like people that I work with. That character flip where he chokes James Vanderbeek and like you can see it in his eyes that he knew like everything, everything he just built is gone and he can't do anything about it. Yeah. When he does the like fake pump up speech as you like, all right, let's go now. And like he's trying to recover, but like it's very clear the empire has crumbled in that moment. It's it's exactly why you hire John Boynt for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was also a decent John Boynt right there. <laughs> you guys have you guys have highlighted pretty much everything I'd say. Uh, actually, the only thing left really are my nitpicks. I, this movie does belong in the top ten, and I I still think any given Sunday does. Um, both movies are a bit cartoonish, which is something that, that always took me out of both of them when I watched them and rewatched them. Um, I think it's a product of the era. I, I, again, I don't like, I think these movies should be in the top 10, but I think they're cartoonish to the point where if we were doing a top 10 sports movies of all time, I wouldn't put either of them in my top 10 of all time. However, from this era, Yes, they absolutely represent the 90s in this era. And again, it, like like you were saying, Corey, like you were saying, Stags, I mean, it touches on stuff that people didn't really know or at least didn't think about was going on in football. You know, a high school coach who has way too much power in a town and can uh, can ruin kids' lives because he knows he holds that much power over them via the football football program. I mean, poor, uh, poor Billy Bob was working on concussion number like 15, uh, and actually, I think this movie was one of the first ones to address concussions in football and how dangerous that is. I And I do, Zach, I think you're like 100% right in saying it is kind of cartoonish, but I do think that's like part of its charm. And I do think it is very like with the soundtrack, the cartoonish vibe, like it is so locked into that era. Like we were talking about, it's hard to, you can't really extricate it from that era. It is that era, which is why I like it so much. I also but, think it's only cartoonish looking back at it now. Cause I think it invented a lot of these tropes and characterizations. So like not another teen movie spoofed the hell out of it. Exactly. Mm. And it spoofed varsity blues mainly because yeah. it kind of invented this stuff with like the high school sports thing. Like Hoosiers wasn't like this. I can't think of another movie before this that was kind of like this. So I think it kind of invented it in some ways. It's interesting that this came out the same year as American Pie, and they're both very similar in that regard, where they dive deep into the uh, the the social um, the social cliques of high school in a way that we hadn't seen before, and was very '90s. Yeah, no, I think it is. Uh, that's a good point. It is. It's borderline, not just a football movie; it's a high school movie. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, it is very cartoony, but at the same time, like it's way better than any cartoony movie has business being like once yeah. you actually get past that initial stuff. So it's just a good, like you could watch this as you're not a fan of sports, watch the movie. It's fun. It's something for everybody. It's, it's just a fun movie on top of having a lot of other stuff going on. Agreed. All right. So that brings us to the end of our eligible movies. Here are the definites. There are eight definites at this point. We have white men can't jump a league of their own Rudy, the Sandlot, Jerry Maguire, Happy Gilmore, Tin Cup, Varsity Blues. Our four maybes are The Waterboy, Any Given Sunday, Mighty Ducks, the first one, and Cool Runnings. For me, it's only really between three, and I'm going to argue for Cool Runnings in Any Given Sunday, knowing full well that Mighty Ducks probably belongs in that last spot instead of Cool Runnings. Or maybe it's Cool Runnings and Mighty Ducks instead of Any Given Sunday. I'd also be comfortable with that. This is tough, and I'm I'm actually going to talk first and then give it to Zach because I kind of feel like he's got a better handle on this than I do. But I would love if Cool Runnings was on there. I'm not sure it should be. Um, I think Waterboy is the definitive version of we just said maybe to give it like a nice pat on the back and send it packing. So that one's off for me. I think any given Sunday has to be on it. You can't, I don't think you can put mighty ducks and cool runnings, both like kind of kids comedies in the way and like give those both a slot. So I, to me, it's gotta be any given Sunday. Also, it's just like, it is iconic from that era. So I think you give it that. So that last slot to me is like, is it mighty ducks? Is it cool runnings? I gotta give the edge to mighty ducks just because of how classic parts of it are versus like, while the general, movie of cool runnings everyone's like oh cool runnings i just found this on a shelf at a vacation home i rented that hasn't updated their film since like the late 90s like that's awesome everyone loves having that happen but i think it's still i got i think it's mighty ducks to me yeah uh stegs you and i are on the same page i really want to include Waterboy, but you're probably right it just misses out because any given sunday absolutely should be on here and I'm higher on Mighty Ducks than you guys are. I, Mighty Ducks is is a no-brainer for me. I like Mighty Ducks is a top five most influential sports movie of the decade. It spawned a goddamn franchise of its own, an actual sports franchise. Uh, so I love Cool Runnings. Don't get me wrong. I love that movie. It's hysterical. It's phenomenal. Um, but Mighty Ducks, just for cultural impact, has to be in there. Well, I'm not 100% pleased. I do have to accept it because you're both right. I just prefer Cool Runnings, and I fucking love that movie. Um, All right, so that brings us to the end. We have constructed the 90s Sports Movie Hall of Fame. As we have referenced a number of times, we will be back. Probably we will assemble this crew. We'll probably get Beam involved, and we will do the 80s. We will do the 2000s. The 2010s needs more time to marinate uh, before we do that, but we we will definitely be doing the 80s and 2000s at some point. Uh, Gentlemen, it was an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed talking about these movies with you guys. Stegs, what do you got to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, we have When You're Gone going into production in February. Um, It's a horror movie directed by um, Kristen Noriega, a very talented director. And uh, we actually have uh, Shane Morton doing the uh, special effects makeup uh, on this. And he is uh, famous for doing the uh, Cheddar Goblin from uh, Mandy, amongst other things. Uh, So it's pretty exciting to have him on there. Um, really looking forward on that one. We're in pre-production now. Uh, we have three movies 
going with their Syracuse uh, Film Festival premiere on October 23rd, I think. We have uh, Void by Joe Gettle. Um, we have Devour by Victoria Diana. And we have Tremel by Christopher Bell. Um, all great, great films by talented directors. And we all get to work on them and uh, help them through those processes. And it was a lot of fun. We're doing a lot of fun stuff over there. And um, if anyone wants to check it out, Syracuse Film Festival, October 23rd. And... I think it's the 24th as well. And yeah. And when you're gone has a uh, Indiegogo out there right now, if you guys are interested in seeing that it's going into production in February, but there is still 24 days left. Actually, when this goes out, I don't know. Um, but still open through the end of the month through Halloween when you're gone short film on Indiegogo, uh, check it out. And I think you guys will all like it. Very excited for all those movies. I saw avoid a lot of David Lynch going on in that movie. I have not had a chance to see the others, but I definitely look forward to them. Zach. Yes, sir. What do you got to say for yourself over there as the new temporary co-host of the Back Porch Podcast? You know, I think think I've done a very good job tonight. I I won't go so far as giving myself an A+, but it's definitely an A-minus effort. Um, Beam better keep his head on a swivel. You know, I don't, he better not get soft and lazy as a new dad all right because i'm coming for his position quite possibly um but no man this was fun i'm glad we got to do it and i look forward to the next one um yeah then by the way the next movie or the first movie i will have seen in theaters will probably be the new bond movie since COVID started i mean so i'm looking forward to that one speaking of all the movies we've gone over and uh, i look forward to future pods i'll give you an a plus effort in like a B performance, which levels out to like an A minus overall. So yeah, I'll give you an A minus. <laughs> and yeah, we will be back with probably this, this team in place to power rank all of the James Bond movies. Uh, Stegs, will you be joining us for that? Yeah, no, I do think I'll be there. I was trying to think of something witty, but I, I'm, I am not Bond. So <laughs> I am, I'm entirely too red and blonde for that. Yeah, none of us are very bod-like on this podcast. Zach, I'll give you the closest of the three. <laughs> well, you know, being uh, barely five foot nine and having a head the size of Jupiter doesn't really help. Yeah, I think like if Bond was from like central Nebraska, I think Zach would be like perfect for that. <laughs> the Midwest Bond. Yeah. He sells propane and uh, and he he loves Ballantine beer. I'm stopping them from using too much Roundup across the world. Yeah, that's that's important. All right, you can follow us on Instagram at Back Porch Media, on Twitter at Porchback Media. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of those things. Rate and review us if you feel like it, and share with us what you think some of the best 90s sports movies are. Are there any we missed? Because I'm pretty sure we didn't, and if you're going to throw out something like D3 Angels in the Outfield, you're just wrong. That's about it for us. We're going to get out of here. See y'all. See y'all.